0: This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Can I ask you to make your way back to your seats? We can carry on the love and the hugs after. So I'm not, not stopping it, just popping it on pause. Fantastic. Well, yeah, we do celebrate and honour all of the ladies who mother in our community and outside of our community. And I want to say a really big thank you to every mum who is serving today, who sacrificed or cut short their um, lie-in, their breakfast in beds and the mums whose husbands got up early to serve and therefore they sacrificed their lions and their um, breakfasts in bed, we do thank you. And we hope that this afternoon you'll be able to put your feet up and enjoy the tasty treat that we have for you that ever since we ordered it, I've been so excited about. (laughs) But you'll have to wait a few more minutes. It is coming soon. If we gave it to you now, you wouldn't listen to anything I say, would you? <laughs> I'd, I'd be the same. That's okay. I also want to say a really big thank you as I begin this morning to everybody who gave in our vision offering this year. And I'm really excited to tell you that on top of our regular giving, Each month, week in, week out, that as a community together this year in our vision offering, we gave 23,194 pounds and 20 pence. So we are, we are just so delighted and we want to say thank you to everybody who gave for your generosity and your sacrifice. And, and that money and, and what we give week in, week out allows us to impact the neighbours and the nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus. Because it is good, isn't it? It's a message that all people need to hear and to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And do you know what fully devoted followers do? They put Jesus first. And if you've been around the last few weeks, you'll know that Jesus first is our kind of vision theme for the year. It's our vision focus for the year. And it's the name of our teaching series that we're currently in. And so this morning, we're going to delve into that again. And we're going to revisit the opening chapters of John's Gospel that I spoke from a few weeks ago. We're going to explore a chunk of John's Gospel. And as we do that, I've I've got a question for us. As we do that, I want us to consider when it comes to Jesus, what do we need to recognize and what do we need to receive? When it comes to this Jesus who is the name above all names, this Jesus who is creator and sustainer, this Jesus who is supreme over all things, as we heard last week, what do we need to recognize and receive? And now the reason I'm asking that this morning is not just that I love alliteration. Anybody else just think like it's one of life's beauties, alliteration. It's not just that. It's because John in his gospel says that there were people who didn't recognize Jesus and therefore they didn't receive him. It's in John chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So when it comes to Jesus, what do we need to recognize and what do we need to receive? Because the people that, that lived at a time when Jesus walked the earth, the people who were created by Jesus, living in a world that was made by him, looking, waiting, watching for a saviour, Jesus enters the scene and they don't recognize him and therefore they don't receive him. They miss him. They miss out because they don't see who he is. He's there in their midst and they miss him. Now, I wonder why that was. I wonder what happened. Like, why do you think, think for a moment, why do you think they didn't recognize him? Like, what possible reasons could there be? Perhaps if it was you in that situation, if you put yourself in their shoes, why might you have missed Jesus? Think for a moment. Why do you think they didn't recognize him? Look at the person next to you. Do they look like they've got an interesting thought, an interesting answer to the question? You can ask them, why do you think, ask, why do you think they didn't recognize Jesus? You can share your idea with the person next to you for a moment. Why did they miss Jesus? I can see some, can see some good little conversations going on. I can hear some wisdom here from the, from the front. We're going to look at that a little bit more in life groups because honestly, we don't really know. But what I do know is that it wasn't just them. What I do know is I find myself in that situation sometimes. Anyone else? Like not recognizing who Jesus is and and what he's doing and and not receiving what he's got for me, His, his guidance, his correction, his blessing, his gift for that season. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss who Jesus is. I don't want to stand by and miss what he's doing in my life and be praying for one thing and totally oblivious to the fact that he's doing something I never expected. And he's doing something outside of my box. I don't want to miss who Jesus is. And so this morning, as we, as we unpack a little bit of John's gospel, I want us to ask the question, when it comes to this Jesus, the name above all names, what do we need to recognize and what do we need to receive? So John 1. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. As we look at this passage, I think the first thing we need to recognise is that Jesus is the light that overcomes darkness. That Jesus is the true light that overcomes darkness. And as I said a few weeks ago, John chapter 1 is a bit of an echo of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 where we see the unfolding of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, we read that into the, into the darkness, God spoke his word. And into the darkness, God said, let there be light. And in John 1, we realize that Jesus is the word and he is the light. That he is the light that overcomes the darkness. It says that, that darkness has not overcome it. Some translations say that darkness cannot est- extinguish it. I love that. I think of, you know, those candles people buy for birthday cakes where no matter how hard you try, you just can't put them out. Now, of course, Jesus is much, much bigger and greater than that. He is the light that overcomes the darkness. He is the light that the darkness cannot extinguish. It cannot put it out. The New Testament tells us that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He's the light that overcomes darkness. It tells us that he has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And it's in Jesus that darkness and sin and death is swallowed up at the cross and light and love and life win and overcome. And they can never be put out. That's good news this morning, isn't it? That's the first thing I want us to recognise, that Jesus is the light that overcomes darkness. That just as he spoke light into the darkness at creation, the cross, in, at the cross, in him, in his body, hanging there, light overcomes darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it and whilst we live in this strange tension some people describe it as the now but not yet we live in this strange time this wonderful time this strange time where darkness has been defeated by the light that can never be put out by King Jesus and yet we still live in this broken world And yet we have this hope that shines so brightly, don't we? We have this hope of a future to come. When we will be reconciled with those that we love, who know him. When revelation tells us he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? For the old order of things has passed away. Whilst we live in this strange time of now but not yet, of Jesus has defeated darkness and yet I still see it around me, we live with hope. Of the future, we live with hope of a day that is coming when sorrow and suffering will cease. Because Jesus is the light that overcomes darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, can never put it out. Because love and life and light reigns from the cross as He swallows up darkness and death and sin in His body. You know, some translation some translations say the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. I think this is fascinating. There's something so beautiful here. That maybe one of the reasons that they didn't recognize Jesus was because they didn't understand him. They didn't comprehend what he was up to because he didn't fit inside their box. See, they were waiting for a savior who would fight violence with violence. And yet Jesus arrives as a servant who willingly suffers violence. The darkness can't comprehend him, doesn't understand him. He doesn't play by the rule book of darkness. They didn't understand or comprehend him. He is the light that the darkness can't even understand. But he overcomes darkness in a way that darkness cannot comprehend. I think of the story of a man some of you may have heard of. David Wilkerson was a minister of a small church in Pennsylvania in 1958. One day, he was brought to tears after looking at a pen drawing of seven New York City teenagers in Life magazine. The article detailed the court trial of these young boys, all charged with murder. The boys were members of a teenage gang called the Dragons who were accused of brutally attacking and killing a 15-year-old. Two days later, after hearing a clear call from the Holy Spirit, telling him, go to New York City and help those boys. Wilkerson arrived at the courthouse in New York City. His plan was to ask the judge for permission to talk to the boys to share God's love with them. The judge refused, refused his request, and Wilkinson was removed from the courtroom. Didn't go to plan. And over the next few months, Wilkinson returned to New York one day each week, driving over 350 miles, that doesn't make sense, does it, from his home in Pennsylvania. He sought God's direction while walking the streets, preaching, and meeting with gang members and drug addicts. That is when David met a young man named Nicky Cruz, leader of a Brooklyn gang called the Mau Mau's. The Mau Mau's were the most violent teenage gang in New York. Nicky threatened to kill Wilkerson the first day he met him. It's not going to plan. David told Nicky, God has the power to change your life. Nicky cursed, hit Wilkerson, spat in his face, And told him, I don't believe in what you say, you need to get out of here. Wilkinson replied, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the streets and every piece will still love you. Nikki couldn't stop thinking about David Wilkinson's words of love. Sometimes light overcomes darkness in a way that darkness cannot even understand. In July 1958, Wilkerson scheduled an evangelistic rally for New York gangs. Nearly every member of Nicky's gang, as well as their rival gangs, attended the rally. When he gave an altar call, Nicky and most of his gang surrendered their lives to Jesus. "David Wilkerson came with a message of hope and love," Cruz said. "I felt the power of Jesus like a rushing wind that took my breath away. I fell on my knees and I confessed to Christ." Nicky went on to say he could have taken a bullet, he could have been killed, but he stood because he was obedient to Christ. After his conversion, Nikki went to Bible college and after graduation, he became an evangelist. He returned to Brooklyn. He led more of the Mau Mau's to Christ and then traveled around the world, ministering to hundreds of thousands each year. Jesus is the light who overcomes the darkness in a way that the darkness cannot even understand, cannot even comprehend. The light that the darkness can never extinguish and never put out. And as we're looking this morning at Jesus first and at John's opening words, that's the first thing I want us to recognize. That Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. Let's pick up John 1 verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. second thing I think we need to recognize this morning when it comes to Jesus is to recognize that you are a witness to that light, that you are a witness to that light, that you have a part to play, that your voice is not insignificant, and yet you are not the light. You know, I'm so, I'm so inspired by the life of John the Baptist, by the way that he gives way to Jesus, by the way that he makes way for Jesus, by the way that he understands who he is and he understands who he is in relation to who Jesus is, that he recognises who Jesus is and he sees his part to play in, in response to who Jesus is. He recognises that Jesus is the light and that his role is to be a witness to that light. And John is the, the cousin of Jesus. He's the older cousin. I don't know if you've got siblings or cousins in your family, but it, maybe if you're the oldest, I don't know if you sometimes want everyone to remember, I'm the oldest here. Or if you're the youngest, and you feel, why, why am I the youngest? Where's my voice? And this, But John is the older cousin. John is the older cousin. And later in John chapter one, John is baptizing people. People are coming to John to be cleansed. They're coming to John to be cleansed, and John has a group of disciples. John has people who are following John. And in that moment when he's discipling them, when he's got his crowd, he's got his following, he's got their attention, Jesus walks onto the scene. And what John does is he turns the attention of all his followers he doesn't say, oh, actually, listen, listen, guys, hang on. Listen, I want to tell you something really important so they don't notice that Jesus is here and perhaps get interested in him. He takes their attention, their focus, and he turns it towards Jesus. And he says, Look, you who've come to me for this act of cleansing, you who've come to me to be baptized, look, here's the one, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. He's the one, he's the light, and my role is to help you to see that. Later on, just in the same chapter, it says that John's disciples leave John and go and start being Jesus' disciples. Now, if John thought that he was the light, that is an epic fail. But John understands that his role is to draw people to the light. And so this is a great success when his disciples stop following him in order to follow Jesus. He recognises that he is a witness to the light, that that's his role to play. You know, and I, as I, I think it's challenging for us sometimes to understand that position. I think sometimes there might be some of us who kind of, stray a little bit this way and think, start to, without realizing it, think, well, I'm the light. And maybe there are some of us who kind of find ourselves straying to this side and thinking, well, I, I haven't got anything to say or my voice doesn't matter. And, and I think, well, if we find ourselves here, if we find ourselves starting to believe that we're the light, some of the things we might see in ourselves is pride, elevating ourselves, to a position, to a primary position that belongs to Jesus. Opposite of the humility that we see in John, when John says in verse 15, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Be easy, wouldn't it, for John to be like, well, he's, you know, I was on the scene first. He's like after, he's secondary. No, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me because he always has been. It's this humility. I think if we find ourselves starting to believe that somehow we're the light, we'll start thinking that we'll start, we'll start getting a saviour complex, that everything relies on me, that every problem is mine to solve, that we always know best. If we start to believe the idea that, that we're the light in some way, we'll start to feel stressed because it's quite a big weight, being the saviour. If we start to Believe that that we're the light, if we start to lose sight of this, we'll probably start to try and control things. Because how else can you be the Savior without trying to control everything? Because that's a pretty big task. We'll start to justify why we're above the rules that apply to everyone else. But John recognized that he was a witness to the light, not the light, but a witness, a signpost to the light. But he didn't think that he was insignificant. He didn't hold back. He didn't disengage. He didn't underestimate the power of his story. See, when it comes to Jesus, we must recognize that we are a witness to the light. And maybe you're very new to faith, or there's lots of things that you think, I don't understand that. That's okay. Join the club. But you do know what Jesus has done in your life. And when you share that with someone, it can begin to change their lives. They can begin to see what's happened in your life as you simply act as a witness to the light. I can tell you what I have seen Jesus do in my life, even if I don't understand every single theological issue. I can be a witness to what Jesus has done in my life. Let's pick John chapter 1 up in verse 12. Yet to all who did not receive him... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human, natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The right to become children of God. And the first thing I want us to receive this morning is our place in God's family, which is made possible because of Jesus. This verse even says that we have the right to become children of God. It's through faith in Jesus that we're welcomed into relationship with God and relationship with his family. That there is a place for us in his family, a family that spans the nations and spans the generations. A family that is 2.6 billion people across the world and a family of which this local church is just one expression. Because of Jesus, we are welcomed into his family. And on Mother's Day, Today, whatever family looks like for you, the good, the bad, everything in between, I want you to know that because of Jesus, you can be a child of God. You can be welcomed home into the family of God, welcomed into this family where you can belong, whether you are eight years old or 88 years old, whether this is your first time and you kind of think these people are, Interesting, and I'm not sure what's going on, or maybe whether you've been here for many years but you still kind of feel like you're looking in from the outside whether English is your first language or whether you have to work really hard to understand what's being said, whether you were born down the road or thousands of miles away, you belong here. There is a place for you in this family, in this expression of God's family, 2.6 billion people worldwide because of what Jesus has done, because he gives us the right to become children of God. That is incredible, isn't it? And I, I find it interesting. For me, for me, the word right doesn't quite fit into this sentence because I'm not a big fan of the word right. When I think of my rights, I think of something people are fighting for. So you don't have to fight for your place in the family of God because Jesus has already won the battle, and therefore your place is secure. You know, when I think of when I think of a right, I think of something, somebody becomes entitled to almost sense a sense that this is owed to me that I deserve that your place in the family of God is not a right in that sense something that we become entitled and complacent with and like well this was owed to me anyway it is a gift it is a gift for you to receive made possible because the sacrifice of Jesus as he poured out his blood and so for each and every one of us here today, watching on the live stream, catching up later, I want us to hear that you belong here as a child of God in his family. This, this expression of the church worldwide. I wonder if the band could come and join us as we just pick up John chapter 1 verse 16. As we reflect on the second thing, I think we need to receive. So we need to recognise that Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. We need to recognise that we are witnesses to that light and that each one of us, our story matters for other people to be drawn to the light. This morning, we need to receive our place in God's family that is made possible because of Jesus. And verse 16... Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the final thing I want us to really receive and take hold of today Is his grace in place of grace already given? See, God is by nature gracious, and he always has been. The Old Testament in the Psalms tells us that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger, and he is rich in love. He didn't suddenly become gracious when Jesus entered the scene. He is and always has been a gracious God. And he poured out his grace to his ancient people through the law. Sometimes read it as the law of Moses. It was a beautiful gift. It was a guide. It was a boundary to live with it. And then in Jesus, as his body is broken, he pours out grace in place of grace already given. He pours out grace on top of the grace that he'd already been pouring out. When I read this, when I read this, this verse, all I see is grace, grace, grace. Over the top grace, more than enough grace, abundant grace, grace with a side of grace and a sprinkle of grace, grace on top of grace, overflowing grace, never-ending grace, God's kindness to welcome us home into his family. I think of a story that I heard as a, as a child of a young man who had wronged his parents. And left the family home. And the young man came to realize the error of his ways. And he wanted to seek reconciliation. He wanted to put things right and he wanted to go home. But he didn't know if if his parents could forgive him. He didn't know if his parents still wanted him. He didn't know if, if they did want him and if they did forgive him. If they could actually bring themselves to open their heart and their home to him again. And so they wrote to him. When I was a little girl, we didn't have mobile phones. So in the story, it wasn't a text message. It was a letter. So he wrote to his family and he said, I'm sorry for what I've done and I would like to come home, but I understand that's a really big ask. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come by the house on this specific day. I won't get too close. I'll look from afar. And what I want you to do is if you feel that you can forgive me and welcome me back into your home... I want you just to hang from the window a white handkerchief. When I was a little girl, people used handkerchiefs. I don't know what you call them now. I want you to hang a white handkerchief from the, from the window. And, and when I see it, I will know that you're ready to welcome me home. And I'll have the courage to push through the fear that's held me back. And so on that particular day, as he approached the house... He couldn't quite work out what he was looking at. He wondered, will I see the handkerchief? Is it big enough? Will I... What's it going to look like? Which window will they hang it from? And he couldn't quite believe what he could see. Because when he looked at the house, all he could see was white. And as he got closer, he realized that every bed sheet was hanging from every window. Because it's grace upon grace, upon the grace already poured out, over the top kind of grace. And that's what we get to receive this morning. The grace that never holds back. Grace, grace, grace. With a side of grace, a sprinkle of grace, overflowing grace. Just in this moment, as we draw to a close I just invite us to to close our eyes and take a moment to reflect if you found this podcast inspiring and helpful then we'd love for you to gain touch via at on social media